everybody, and welcome to Crosswires. It is Jay, and today I am joined by my uh, friend James, who you also know as the other uh, co-host of Crosswires. Hey, James. That was that was a slightly odd intro there, Jay. Hi. Yes, I'm... I'm trying. This is my second time hosting. To, to be fair, this, yeah, this is Jay's second time hosting this podcast, and she's doing a great job. Hello. It's really nice to be here. And uh, for those of you looking at the squad shot, yes, I am wearing new headphones. Yes, they are beats. Yes, I look ridiculous. I really wanted the blue ones, but uh, the deal I got on these, bleh. Nothing beats that deal. <sighs> I, I, I'm going to say uh, for our guest, you know, it's not too late to back out of a show if you want to. You know, if I backed out of Jay's life every time she made a terrible pun, I think we'd have been not friends. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> so the other voice you hear is my amazing friend, Amanda, Amanda Sloan. And I have known Amanda for years, actually longer than I've ever known James. I got to know Amanda years ago. On Twitter, talking about hippie villages floating on the water, and some days I would love to go to those and get away from everything else in the in the world in life that's going on. I know the number of times that we've talked about like running away from everything and just joining those floating hippie villages is oh, the dream. <laughs> Can I just say we've got our episode title? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> and also, uh, I have I have met Amanda in person because uh, Amanda and her partner Tom came to my state, and we actually had coffee. Uh, funny fun fact at the same grocery store chain that I work at. So. It's true. We got a lovely Starbucks inside a lovely insert chain grocery store here. It was lovely meeting meeting Jay was was really cool and um, fun fact. Jay is very tall, like very tall, and it's hilarious because at the time jay's like whole online persona was frasley a small gnome in world of warcraft and so seeing this giant person coming towards you and you're kind of like kind of expecting a small gnome like okay maybe not actually a small gnome but like somebody not that tall i was like oh hello as i'm staring up from my little hobbit sized body here <laughs> And, and, and in about a week I um, from this recording, I will be uh, meeting James in person. And James, be prepared. I am very tall. And I'm very short, to be fair. I'm, I'm, I I mean, I, I will be no point hiding my shortness. I'm only five foot eight. You're taller than me. It'll be kind of like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in Twins. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that short. Okay. Or that Danny DeVito. I mean, but what a film. Some similarities, maybe. I don't know what it is about this podcast, but we seem to be able to combine a tech podcast with constant movie references. <laughs> yeah. And what's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. Movies wouldn't exist without tech. Hey, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be really honest. So the episode that, at the time of recording, that's next to go out on my feed is the one with Action Retro, Sean from Action Retro. And in there, we talked about Mike Judge, um, you know, the creator of um, King of a Hill and, and Office Space. I am plucking up a courage to tweet Mike Judge directly and invite him onto the show. Do it. Yes, do it. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Anyway, Jay, sorry. Sure, sure. So, so Amanda, what is it that, that you do? Because you do so many amazing things. I know. This is, well, I, I wouldn't call them amazing, but I do so many things. And I've actually had quite dif uh, a lot of difficulty recently trying to label myself and so i kind of don't i'm just like i do all of these things 
I have kind of narrowed it down to like six things. Um, I am a freelance writer, freelance copywriter, um, and a creative writer on the side. Um, I also am a podcast host and I co-host Geek Herring, um, which is a podcast about intersectional feminism and inclusion in geek culture. And I have another podcast in, in the works. It's going to be hopefully coming out fairly soon, launching soon. So spoilers, it's coming. There is a new one coming. Um, and I am also a podcast educator. I have a podcast, uh, do it yourself, learn how to podcast course, or also learn how to become a podcast virtual assistant, which is like quite a useful field to be in right now. It's in demand. I also do tarot readings, um, and run tarot workshops. And I have a blog where I'm kind of trying to pull all of this together. And one of the, and two other things is you are a mod for our, our upcoming Twitch channel, as well as you also do Twitch streams. I don't know how you do it. I, yeah, I also do that. <laughs> I also do that, run a busy Discord server, and which is in the process of transitioning to Geek Caring Productions, which is opening up to our community to um, just invite people to have their own shows, talk shows, sessions on our Twitch channel, and if they want to run workshops in the Discord. I love that because I, I, it's all about giving that voice to people that may not want to take all the stuff and the time to put it all together. Because, I mean, I know James and I are, are spending a lot of time trying to figure out our channel, my my former Twitch channel, um, rebranded, and it's taken a lot of work. I mean, it's Twitch streaming is not easy, and and, it, and and I love that you're opening that up for people to to both get seen but also be able to take the worry off of that. They can focus on the content. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think one of our hopes is that it makes content creation like Twitch or workshop running more accessible to, to everyone. So one reason I had you on here is I kind of figured, and, and I'm going to bring it back some of the old segues from my former podcast. <laughs> I figured that um, you might have some tips to help make freelance more accessible to people. So uh, what do you specifically do for your freelance work? I am a freelance copywriter uh, would be my main source of income. So I, I'm kind of split into two sections. So I do copywriting for podcasts. Um, so I write their show notes. Um, and I've been doing that exclusively for four years now, which is a lot of fun. I've worked on a lot of really cool podcasts and I always seem to learn something new. Um, and then the other side is I write blogs and social media content for for other businesses. Um, one of my clients right now is a LinkedIn expert, I guess, who... <laughs> has an agency uh, providing blogs and LinkedIn posts to her clients. So that's um, that's what I'm doing right now. Show notes and LinkedIn posts. <laughs> and I have worked with you in a, in a professional capacity on our former podcast network. I mean, it's it's still there, but but, it was, it, but not in the same capacity it was. And you are uh, phenomenal. Like you, you helped keep me in check. You helped always like look at like what's, what's going out there and even keeping things organized. And I was, I was always impressed at your skill. I mean, cause like, you know, you, you know, your stuff. I mean, it, I just got to say like, I wish my writing was as good as your writing is. Oh, thank you. Um, just takes a lot of writing. Uh, be prepared for people to tell you that your writing is terrible and rip it apart and then build it back up with you. Um, and try not to take it personally. Yes. Cause you give me some really good tips on writing and I've actually tried to keep some of those in my in my writing that I've done since 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 we worked together, like it's hard because you put all that work into that writing, and you're like, it's my baby, it's so crafted well, and you're like, oh, but you're right, it, it needs work there, and there, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's tough to be told like that this is not very 
well-written. And actually, to be honest, it happened to me last week. I took on a new client and that um, somebody else in my team had been working on. And so I submitted my work and he was like, I might be being very overprotective and then like ripped it apart. And I was like, this is fine. This is fine. And inside I'm like breaking. I'm like, okay, no problem. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one thing to get it picked apart by a client. I... I was recently writing uh, the like memories of our granddad for, mm-hmm. for his funeral and my sister was fine. My mum was fine, but my dad being my dad being, you know, the methodical attention to detail engineer he is. It's like, that doesn't read right. That doesn't read right. I'm like, dad, it's my, it's my thing for a funeral. Come on. Mm-hmm. But, it, but he was right. There were certain things that I'd worded badly. And actually, with the changes, it did read better. Yeah. You know? what? One question I could, which isn't in the show notes, I'd for you, like show notes, because does it take you time to sort of pick up the, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, the, the vibe of a, of a particular podcaster's style and how they want their show notes to, to come across? Yes. Um, so I work on two different podcast production teams as a, as a writer. And one, we get, the we have the same podcast assigned to us and like that's our podcast and we just work on it for however long the client is with us basically um and so they're so much easier to pick up a voice and add personal touches and like write as though you are the host of that podcast another team that i work for we don't get assigned a podcast we just get given the next podcast that comes up and it's so much more difficult to figure out the voice of that of of the hosts and like it, they're just so much more generic when you don't get a chance to work with the same podcast um, because it's like I don't know anything about this um, and who you are so it's um they're they're just more technical um, and like this is what it is full stop. Yeah, I actually experienced that last night. Uh, James actually writing a a paragraph has me and like we were on the on the call together and. James did a great job of knowing my voice, knowing how I talk, and even put in jokes. I'm like, wow, you know me so well. Yeah, I'm sure that that paragraph was full of puns and capitals and exclamation points. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I, I had to turn off Grammarly at one point. Honestly. <laughs> so for those who may be curious on, on how to get involved in, in freelance work, because we live in an age, I, I, I call it the I can age and not the I can't age. When did you get involved and how did you get involved in freelance work? I started freelancing part-time in the late spring of 2017 and was full-time by the end of the summer. I started out with Upwork, which, spoiler alert, I will probably come up later. I do not recommend the platform. Um, (laughs) But that's where I started. And my first job ever was writing cheese recipes. I got to write three cheese recipes for $15. And I thought that I was the biz. I was like, yeah, 15 bucks. And I just got to write what was in my head. This is awesome. And then I got this really cool opportunity came through to write for a gaming website. And they wanted me to write like 20 or so articles or something. And it came through while I was on holiday with a group of friends. And I was like, okay, except I ended up working like 90% of that holiday. And I was like, this, I feel like this is not, not it. Like this isn't it. And they became like really demanding. And then I looked back on the Upwork contract and they wanted these 20 articles for $20. So I think at about article 12, I just was like, you know what? 
for $20, like I do not want the rest. I don't, I don't care. I don't want this. I don't. And I just like stopped. Um, and it wasn't too long after that, that I found the five day VA challenge by digital nomad kit, which is a five day challenge basically that, uh, it's run on Facebook that teaches you the fundamentals and the mindset work to become like what you need to, to learn to become a, a virtual assistant, somebody working online. And that's how it started. I, I did that course in June of 2017, got my first client based on her principles in July of 2017, got Tom in as well. And we both quit our jobs on August 18th and started full-time together. And what I find fascinating about that, just a cool side tangent, is that's also how you met um, Monica. It is how I met Monica, my the co-host, my co-host and partner in crime of many, many adventures and activities. We she was she was the very, very, very first person that ever signed up to the Digital Nomad Kit course back in December 2016. Um, and she kind of made it her mission to find weirdos and to bring them into the course like every time it ran. So I was like, there is this really like weird but nice but weird person like blowing up my dms you know she really wants me to join this course like i guess i should and then i did and then i mean that weird person was monica and i mean five years later five and a half years later we're like the best of friends and i couldn't imagine my life without her and i've been to the course i i did not um go into freelance at the, at the moment just like right now with my life it did not align but the course is amazing. Like I, I learned a lot of good things from it and things mm -hmm. that I have definitely taken even, even into my, to my current line of work and some of the stuff that we're doing with uh, Crosswires. I've, I've brought some of the, the ideals that I learned there. So yeah, it's a great course and it, it truly is a course I recommend signing up for because you never know where it'll lead you to. Yeah, there's there's the free portion, the the five days. Um, the the owner of Digital Market, Hannah Dixon, she um, hosts workshops like free workshops, low cost entry workshops as well. And then there is uh, her signature program, um, which I did invest in five years ago when it let's just say it was not uh, it it was very underpriced at the time, very underpriced. And yeah, it's uh it's just, it's it's great and it has changed so many people's lives. So I would recommend checking it out. Personal experience here, it's changed lives, including mine. <laughs> so I have to say that that your history is very good. I'm sorry, I could not avoid a cheese bun. <laughs> Who can ever avoid a cheese bun? I don't know. Did you just say your history is very good? Yeah, she did. <sighs> okay. <laughs> this is what you knew when you, James, when you invited me onto the team, you knew you were going to get this. I, d I don't know what cheese has to, oh, well, it does have to do, but that was like 10 minutes ago. You, you've been holding on to that. <laughs> I know. It, the pun is like a monster in my head waiting to come out. Jay, that was incredibly cheesy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I thought it was really good. So, Amanda, before you get upset with me, what are the tools you use to do your job, like especially tools to help with your writing and collaborating with your clients? Yeah. So thankfully, all of the tools are available on the wonderful internet, which make communicating with clients so much easier. Um, so Slack is pretty much essential. Um, one of my clients doesn't use it and I'm like, but why do we need to send a hundred emails a day? Why can't we just have a Slack channel? Um, it just keeps the communication all in one spot. You can have like different channels. It's like discord for business. And I'm like, why don't, why doesn't everybody use this? It's if you are a business owner with an online team, you need some kind of communication tool like this. And it's free. And it's free. 
I was trying to get a few of the people at my last job to use Slack, and I was typically the only one there, so the Slack channels just went empty. I'm like, it's a great tool. It's anywhere that you need it to be. Exactly. Like, I use it for myself. Like, if I'm writing something that I need to get from my computer to my phone, I just Slack it to myself because it's just, it's there. It's easy. And a bonus for images as well is that it doesn't diminish the image quality like Facebook Messenger or Discord. Um, It just, it keeps your, your image quality nice. One thing I love about Slack, because I always bring it up because I had somebody actually talk about using Discord for their business. I was like, I want you to know Discord does not have a focus on encryption, but at least Slack has a bit more of a focus on encryption and Mm -hmm. and security. Because like, I know somebody who actually has a Slack channel on their business. Whenever they have an expense at at work, they just take a a photo of the receipt. And then at the end of the year, they just go through all all their receipts and it's, it's encrypted there. That's actually a really good idea. That's like um, there's a, a, a website that uh, called Receipt Bank that you like email receipts to, um, and then it just kind of keeps track of all of your receipts. Um, it's a paid service, though. So I like doing that within a Slack channel. That's actually very interesting, except that unless you have Slack Pro, I think they only keep messages for up to 90 days. Yeah, but even Slack Pro is not massively expensive. It's no, and something Amanda just hit on. So many integrations into Slack when compared with Discord, and I'm I'm going to say I know Microsoft Teams is becoming very popular, particularly if you're in an Office three six five house. But I'm sorry, Slack blows it away. Yeah, I agree. One thing that I always find is Slack is focused on the chat program, whereas Microsoft's trying to do everything and. Sometimes you can't do everything. It's true. Yeah. Some of the other programs that I use like every single day are Google Drive because it's the easiest and also most secure way to share documents with your team. Like you can lock them down to only these five email addresses. You can open them up to anybody with the link or you can have them like you're the only one that can view them. And it's so easy to share them. You can download from them. Like it's it. I, I would be lost without Google Drive. One of my clients um, was a diehard Dropbox fan, and it meant that like everybody on the team, in order to actually upload into the Dropbox, had to pay for Dropbox. And it was like, why would you make everybody on the team do this when you could have Google Drive, which is free up to a certain amount of gigabytes? I think it's 15 as it stands right now. Which I is, think it's 15. Which is yeah. fantastic. Uh, it is. Like, I think it's excellent. So I think he's slowly transitioning over. At the very least, he's accepting mine and the other writer on the team. We're, we're both submitting Google Drive docs now, and he, he's not complaining. <laughs> I'm actually moving my Dropbox to kind of a combination of iCloud and, and Google Drive because Google Drive for even like a terabyte or two is like 10 bucks a month. It's incredibly affordable. It's so good. Like, I think we pay for an upgrade to Google Drive for thing, like my business's account and I think maybe Tom Tom's account. I'm not actually sure. We have these mystery charges coming out every month and I can't find a record of them. Please don't tell my accountant. Nigel, if you're listening, um, sh- <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I know what they're for. I just can't find them. <laughs> I am impressed because I used to, on my last podcast, I did the show notes in Google, in Google uh, Docs. Cause I remember you were on quite a few episodes of that show and I loved how easy it was to make the show notes, how easy it was to send a link to anybody and even like I've done the real time collaboration, that is incredible. Like you're, I've been in a room with people, and one we all have a Google, the same Google Doc opened, and we're all modifying it, mm-hmm. and no one's losing their place. It is inc- it's an incredible workflow. 
I know it's amazing. Like we live in an era where being able to do that and have that connection and communicate like real time communication and editing and everything. It's just, we're so lucky. We're so lucky that we don't have to just like take the white out or the tip backs or whatever you call it in your country and like scratch things out and make notes and start again, you know, like, it's just it's it's a it's a blessing to have something like this and it's the end of you know because i'm sure you've both done this where you've got this email chain with version one two version four final version four final 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 Mm -hmm. and you'll fight your document no because you've got that live collaboration you know whatever you you're you know i'm speaking to the audience here whatever your personal views on are using google for your email i would really say that google docs and google drive you can s- separate those from Gmail. You, if you don't want to use Gmail, you don't have to just get a... Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, I haven't found anything that's actually better. So, I mean, as much as we love Fastmail for our email and calendars and contacts, they don't give us anywhere near that sort of drive storage. There's no document collab. I might be wrong on that, but no, I don't think there is document collaboration on, on Fastmail. And you then start looking at, oh, okay, well, let's build our own or use something like Nextcloud. But that's a huge amount of hassle to set up. You might as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, honestly, I cannot say enough good things. I, I, you know, I am somewhat dubious of Google, but Google Docs and Google Drive, yeah, thumbs up, uh, thumbs up for me. Yeah, two yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, because like James, you and I use Apple, but we both have Apple devices, so we're in that ecosystem. But to bring somebody mm-hmm. else into that ecosystem is a lot of work. It is. Especially the collaboration. Like I know that um, actually recently, Jay, you were talking to me about sharing your location and you're you're an Android or I'm an Android and you're an Apple. And I'm like, I actually have no idea how an Apple user can share a location with an Android user. Like, I don't know how how to do that. Uh, I think the only way would be something like Signal or the WhatsApp. The, um, Signal, I know, can. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, uh, Signal or like, uh, yeah, I think Signal can. I don't think WhatsApp can because I know Manda and I are on WhatsApp together and I I did not see any way to share, to share my location. Mm-hmm. Bingo challenge for listeners. If you know a good way to have share, location sharing between people on different platforms, podcast at crosswise.net we actually genuinely would love to hear that so please send that along definitely please and thank you (laughs) so we've talked about a lot of the benefits of technology but one thing on this show we like to talk about too is some of the ethical concerns and even just some of the concerns with technology what are some ways that technology can hurt being an influencer being an influencer have you got the wrong show again jay (laughs) you you are ninja i'm sorry (laughs) but you are an influencer (laughs) I mean, not really. I don't get paid nearly enough to be an influencer. <laughs> no, you don't have a gold toilet or a gold shower. So, you know. Yeah. That's my ADHD brain. It brings in a word from somewhere. That I've got like no idea why it brought that word in there. What are some ways technology can hurt being a freelancer? Okay. And I think that this goes for self-employed people across the board, um, whether you're freelancing or just running like an actual self-employed business, being available all the time. Technology just is it's like a door that is you're you're open for business, um, whether this is and to, to be honest, I do think it comes down to a lack of boundaries that you have with yourself and the way that you personally connect. Because when I first started out in business, I was like available all the time, like I would get up in the morning and work until like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. Like I was just attached to work. It's because like you're working 
on Instagram and like you're, so you're working while watching TV at night, you're working, um, you have zero boundary. Like you're taking your phone with you. So that means like you can work while you're going for a walk. Um, you're working while you're on the toilet, you're working like just, it's, 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 it's these things where like, you're like, Oh, I got an email, like checking it. Um, at the most inopportune times. And it really is, actually super negative to be available all the time. Um, it's not only terrible for your mental health, it's also, I, 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 I truly believe that it gives like a message to clients and the universe that if you don't value your own time to give yourself a break away from work, that they don't need to value you either. So I'm very clear and intentional on my boundaries. Now I don't work after don't work at all after five o'clock. And most days it's four, if not three. I try I like to try to get away early. And I do not even open my emails on the weekends. Like I don't go in my emails. So like three o'clock on a Friday hits, I'm gone until actually until Tuesday because I take Mondays off. Um, because I have a whole bunch of like life admin that I get done on a Monday. But five years ago, I was working seven days a week. I was exhausted. I was like not making any money because I was just working all the time doing nothing. Like you physically cannot work like 18 hours a day. Nope. I did that last year and it's impossible. It's impossible. You you burn out. You feel terrible. You you are the opposite of productive. Being available and working more does not lead to bigger and better things. You know, as someone who's particularly in lockdown when I was working, I, I did. I worked and I was working, not self-employed. I was working for a company and I thought, oh, I'm at home anyway. I might as well get this little bit of extra work done on this script. And what didn't help is that the rest of the team were doing that mm-hmm. and the team leaders were doing that. And so you almost felt obligated to do so. But I, I cannot stress enough how, how right Amanda is here that you need to look after yourself and your obviously at the moment myself and Jay I think it's fair to say we are probably pushing the candle at, at both ends a little bit burning at both ends because we're trying to get this this podcast launched because we want to well the podcast launch get all the other bits of a po- the website and uh, I mean this this haircut is not because I had a haircut this is me pulling out my hair with WordPress themes I saw you doing it literally on video and, and it's <laughs> But no, I, absolutely. And you mentioned you don't check your email. Do you have a clear distinction between your personal email and your business email then? I do. I have four email accounts. One is my business email. One is my podcast email. One's my personal. And then one is kind of a throwaway email. So the business email, like if I'm flipping through my email accounts on my phone over the weekend, I just kind of skip it twice. Like I, I, I do my very, very best. I still get notifications and I, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I cheat. I'm like, oh, what What do they want? But like 99% of the time, I don't even go in that inbox. And it's one of the things, you know, obviously you, you mentioned you're on Android. And I, I'm sure Android has this functionality, if not, or some app, some third-party thing. One of the things I'm really excited to try more of in iOS is the iOS 16 focus filters. So you could say when you're in this focus mode, don't show these accounts. That's interesting. I definitely know that because I, I used to be on a salary uh, years ago. And yeah, finding that balance there was hard. And like last year, I did not put that balance in, especially like when I was doing like Twitch work along with what I'm doing now. Now, when I'm off of work for my other job where I clock in, clock out, I don't do anything but work there. I even had to uh, block a coworker because she kept calling me in the evenings about work. And I'm like, you but I only talk about work 
in the evenings, I just, I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's that balance. You've got to find that balance because I burned out last year. And I think that's the scary thing about technology. And it's just always there. Use it for good or taking over the world, whatever. And one aspect I was, I was curious is keeping data confidential. Mm-hmm. Do you have any points on that? A password manager is essential, especially one that allows you to share passwords with clients or clients share passwords with you that keep them encrypted because... I don't need to know that your my client's password is like Princess Kitty Cat one two three. Like, um, I might laugh, but like I don't actually want to know that. That's your business. So we we use LastPass. Um, I know. I I think you two use one password. We do. Yes. Yeah. Do. Um, but I've been we've been with LastPass for five years, and it's great. I actually signed up for LastPass when we were working on uh, on our, on our on the podcast network, and it was actually really cool how I did not get the password to things, but I was able to log into like the the Twitter and things like that. And I was like, "That's pretty clever." It is. It is an it is something that LastPass had. I will be really honest. I'm a huge One Password fan. Always will be. Mm-hmm. But LastPass had, and do you know what? Actually, I, I'm gonna. I have probably said in the past I don't recommend LastPass. I'm retracting that not recommendation because they had a recent security issue and that's not great. But when a friend of mine who really knows his security dug into it, actually the way that their network design is set up is really actually quite impressive. Now, look, I will always prefer 1Password. That's just a personal choice. 1Password does, if you're on the Teams, um, I think if you're on a business plan, you, uh, I'm not sure about the family plan, but on a business plan, you can do a lot of that same sort of permission control where you can say, okay, this person can only fill this password. They can't copy it. They can't print it. Um, now, one thing that's probably worth... I'm just going to be the security nerd I am that doesn't stop anyone with a skill set of using the web inspector to then unmask that password field. Because huh. it still has to fill it in the browser, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can go into now, yeah, if you can go into a web inspector and unmask that password field before it's logged in, you can probably still see the password and, you know, your um, native password managers will still be able to save it. So it doesn't eliminate all the risk, but it's certainly a nice protection barrier. One of the cool things that that, that James showed me on 1Password was you can now get SSH keys and securely keep the keys inside of 1Password and then fill them in. So, like, I did SFTP to a server, and the key was never on my computer. It was encrypted in, in one password, and it used it for an, it, for the authentication. I was like, that's pretty cool. And both LastPass and 1Password, which is so important for teams, can support autofilling of two-factor codes. Because if you've got a shared account, say, for example, your podcast Twitter, well, I'll use it, our podcast Twitter account, that has two-factor authentication for a very good reason. But if it was just in one of our names, then, you know, if Jay wanted to tweet anything, she'd have to come to me and say, oh, I need the code. Well, if I'm not around, that doesn't help. Whereas LastPass and 1Password, you can put the code in and then it's in a shared item. Oh, that's that's very clever. I might have to talk to Moni about that. <laughs> I, I, I love I love password managers and I love that like everyone, because I think Fast Company recently, when they had their network uh, um, breach and had a very obscene message go through one of their medium channels, I think that shows that they were they were using passwords and sharing passwords unencrypted. And I think it shows when you're when you're a team, it's very important how you secure your passwords. Yeah, definitely. So, if you were to redo it all again, 
What would you have done differently in your freelance journey? I would not be working all the time when we started out. <laughs> but I would make sure because when when Tom and I first went freelance in August 2017, we intended to travel. Like that was our that was our thing. We wanted to be these digital nomads and um just take off and work and travel and have fun. And we did that, but we didn't have the clients to support that. So we kind of left before we were fully established. Um, and we didn't, we thought we had a nice little finance bu- buffer. It did not last very long when you're not making enough money to rebuild it. If we were to do this all again, I would either make sure that we had a larger buffer before taking off or make sure that we had more clients, consistent, well-paying clients, because that was a very stressful first year. Um, we traveled from November to January and October to January, something like that. And it was like, oh my God, it was so stressful. Like we, it was just, we didn't leave our computers trying to find work, but we were so stressed trying to find work that we couldn't even find work. Um, like it was, oh, it was awful. So yeah, that would be like my number one. And then my number two is to define like what we offer really early. Um, because we were just kind of like, yeah, we do virtual assistant stuff. This is a five hour package, hire us. Um, whereas like now both of us have niched into kind of where, what we do. And it's so much clearer to find clients when you're saying like, yes, I specifically write these things or these things. And Tom's like, well, I, I do like diary management and customer support and that's it. (laughs) And there was something that I think, I think we, I think we did talk about it during one of our meetings on the podcast network about the value that like not undervaluing what you're providing and making sure that like when you offer services to a client that you don't undersell yourself, Mm -hmm. that you, it it was one of the things that even the course said, how much do you value yourself? And then add to that because a client's going to want to go as cheap as, as they can, but don't sell yourself where you're struggling to make. Exactly. It's so important. Um, there's like calculators out there that help freelancers figure out their minimum hourly wage, um, or like hourly rate. And that's like the bare minimum to give you a roof over your head basically. But like, what about going out for a meal? What about saving for a holiday? Like include those things so that you're living your life, not just existing in your life. I love that. I love that. Fred. I love that terminology. That's really encouraging. And because it is unfortunately a race to the bottom in terms of what clients expect. I, I've I, look, I want to put this in the right, in the right framing. A lot of the work I've done sort of freelance has been with uh, church organisations and Christian Mm organisations. And I think Jay knows where I'm going with this. Look, churches don't pay properly or pay well. Now, some do. You know, people's time and people's services are valuable. You're not paying necessarily for a product Mm -hmm. that that person's giving you. You're paying for their expertise and their time. And I think... If I can say one thing to any, you know, potential clients listening or, you know, people who want to hire anyone for services, remember this is a person and value their time, value what they, you know, what they go through, the fact that they have to pay bills. You know, I think, I think it's fair to say, Amanda, we both mean you live in a, in a, a country right now where we've got a huge cost of living crisis. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. And a government who, quite frankly, don't give a flying monkeys. Mm-hmm about that sounds like the u.s well yes yes um yeah um yeah we won't let's not get too but but anyway anyway that's that's really good advice 
I definitely I can relate to the the like to, to the not being valued for some of the stuff I've done. Or I think you can you both can relate to this clients who expect bare minimum. Like I think James, I've told you all the stories about the networking I've done mm-hmm. and how bad that networking was, but I wasn't able to do better because of the budget my clients gave mm-hmm. me. Yep, like running an Ethernet. Up, 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 up a wall into the drop ceiling, having plugs and in, in, in charge protectors in the ceiling, and I, yeah, running past electric. There's a lot of fire code safety that might, but I. Cody from Mac Telecom Networks will be screaming right now if he could hear you say that. Cody, I'm sorry. It was because they were going for me and not somebody who actually knew what she was doing. I, actually, that's a really good question to ask. Maybe it's slightly off, not in our show notes. Do you think, Amanda, there's times where you can actually be really honest with your client and say, actually, no, I don't know that, but here's someone who I know does that sort of work, and I'm going to recommend them instead because I don't feel I can give you the best result? Yes. Five years ago, I would be like, yeah, no problem. And like, I would figure it out as I went. Now, I am like, if that's not in my wheelhouse, I either say that and recommend somebody or say that. And unfortunately, I don't actually know anybody that could do that. I have a client right now who I was out for, she's a local client actually. And I was out for coffee with her the other morning. And um, she said, Amanda, can you, um, what, is there any fields that you wouldn't feel comfortable writing in? And I was like, I am terrible at writing about finance. Like I don't understand all the technical terms of finance to properly get in the the FinTech mind and like write about it. And I just, I just, I can't like, it's like a stopper in my brain. I don't know what I'm reading. And it has been a a thing for me for many years. I've had people try to give me finance work and I've even had a finance company hire me. And I'm like, I don't know finance. Why do you want to work with me? And they're like, because you know, holistic stuff. And I'm, we're a holistic finance company. We want the holistic side. And I was like, okay, but I don't know the finance side. I, I, in, in retrospect, I should have said no, but it was actually very well paid. So I was like, that, that's another thing as well. Like, oh, the money to the research. But anyways, um, yeah. So now I'm just like, no, I, I don't, this is not in my wheelhouse. I would love to recommend this person I know or that person I know, or just, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't do that. And unfortunately, I don't know anybody that does because I don't. Um, however, if you are a finance copywriter, please let me know because I am actually actively looking for one to refer work to. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from my point, you know, I'm trying to build, look, it's no secret. I'm trying to build a freelance career as a IT support, customer support uh, kind of guy. And one thing I want to say, and I think I'd hope this echoes across all of us, is there's plenty of space in the industry for us. There's, there's far too much work for one person to ever take on. And you should never be worried about passing someone. If you have a trusted, someone else trusted in your, even in your own field, but you don't have a capacity, there's nothing wrong with passing that work on. But the question I wanted to ask you about is, it's something I've dealt with, you know, when I've done customer support management and, you know, I did for a while lead a, I was uh, kind of head of operations for a small web startup. And one of my responsibilities was, was client management because but being frank, the other team members were not good at client management. That was my, mm-hmm. my area, but awkward clients because, you know, we, we talk about, you know, maybe getting fired by a client. We, you know, that happens, but what about, dealing with those clients who are who are awkward who ask too much or are just not a good fit 
Yeah, they happen to everyone. Um, and thankfully, touch wood, I have a wooden door. Um, mine haven't been as awkward as some of the people in my, like my virtual assistant community. I've been reading actually today, some absolute horror stories about people, clients not paying. And I'm just like, Oh, I feel so bad for you. A very recent one. Um, I, and by recent, I mean, it, ha- it has happened within this calendar year, 2022. Um, I had a podcast client hire me, a hire my agency. Um, and we were to write her show notes. And I was like, okay, she was actually, she's, she's quite well known as client. She has a very popular podcast and very popular platform. And I was very excited to work on her podcast, but she was the most micromanaging client I have ever had in my life to the point that I had a call with my, with like the, the manager of the podcast company. And I was like, you know, this is a lot. Like, I feel like I cannot write for this client Um, and he was like, your work is really good. Um, like I'm really happy with it. It's not you, it's her. So, you know, let's just, she signed up for six months. Let's just do six months of work. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, and it just kept happening and kept happening to the point that I was like, I I literally can't do this. Like I can't spend hours fretting about have I worded this right? Or have I worded that right for her to come back with, comments and edits and things that she's never even mentioned before about what I'm doing wrong now. And I'm like, I cannot please her. The only way that she can have somebody else write her show notes is if she hires somebody in-house that takes the time to work one-on-one with her to learn like absolutely everything, not somebody who has like 10 other clients that they're trying to do a podcast for every week, right? Sorry, just a little rant. I had a very bad experience. And anyways, I did not work on her show anymore. And he told her that none of our writers, because I was a second writer to work on the show. And he was like, none of our writers are actually going to work on this. So do it yourself. So micromanaging clients are the worst. Like if you're hiring an, like a, an expert to do it, I'm not calling myself an expert, but you're if you're hiring somebody else to do it, you generally trust their expertise. Let them do their job. Sorry. <laughs> Going on a full on rant there. <laughs> We've unleashed Amanda there. Yeah. <laughs> I I can tell the listeners. Sorry, it was it was my last show. I, I, I was I was being disclaimed. <laughs> it was not Jay. It was not Jay. Jay is a delight. <laughs> Other awkward clients are just when they don't communicate enough. Um, because especially when you're working online, you need to talk. Like if there's a certain amount, something that I need to finish your work, I need that. Otherwise, I can't do your work. Or clients that don't actually know what they want, but then expect results, and you're like. Okay, but what results do you want? Because if you don't know what I want, I don't know what to give you. Or I'll give a wonderful example. Or clients who, so the client being the organization and then the people inside the, the company don't communicate with each other about the requirements for a job. Mm-hmm. That's happened to me. And you know what? This is a, I'm not going to name names, but this was for my church. And we were doing a big event to support, to support basically, you know, look. I'm very open. I'm I'm a Christian to support prayer for for the Ukraine situation. It was a big cross church event, wonderful thing to be doing. And they, our senior minister and anyone from church, you could go and ask him about this. If you're listening to the show, go and ask him. He called me. Must have been about ten o'clock at night, and and I'm really trying hard not to do an impersonation of this this minister because he's got a very distinct voice. And he said, "I need this thing." 
um, by lunchtime tomorrow. And here's the specs. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that for you. You know, obviously really keen to help out because, you know, I'm, uh, I had an agreement with them and I think still do. But as long as I remove the church branding, I can use any design work for my portfolio, which is very reasonable. But anyway, did the work based on what he said, sent it over. And at this point, I hadn't met our new sort of direct, um, sort of communications manager. I forgot my title he actually has, but anyway, was it opera- operations manager? I hadn't met him yet. I knew he was on board and I got an email back from him because I'd CC'd him. I'd been asked to CC him in. He came back and said, this is nice, but it's not what we're looking for. I'm like, but the but, but, but minister... And it turns out that the minister had got all the wrong information. Oh, great. And had asked to include information that we weren't allowed to publish. Some stuff about parking that we we weren't allowed. But it gets very common. But I, I then had to completely redo my work. No. And it turns out there wasn't a lunchtime deadline because the event hadn't even been finalised with you of the churches yet. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Definition of awkward clients, you know? <laughs> And, and look, for, for, for anyone from my church listening, or indeed, senior minister, if you're listening, you know I don't hold, you know that I, I really respect you and it's not. That's the thing, half the time, is it fair? Half the time, I don't think it's ever, per, well, hmm, some of the time, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. It's just the way they are. And I think maybe, but sometimes it, it, you've de- I've definitely had, maybe not clients, but managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And definitely keep a, written log i got in trouble at two job at a job two things and it was neither were my were my fault um not not my current job past jobs but like one was i was yelled at for not ordering salt except i was except except i did and i told them and the person just just uh didn't um see the email that they wrote fully out of salt and no and they could in that and i had said hey they're out of salt you've got to get salt from a locally sourced and they just they didn't do anything, and they yelled at me. The other one was I was supposed to, to, to buy a device for somebody. I went to our finance manager, asked her if I could if I could go ahead with this, and she said nothing. And then I got an, I got yelled at for the fact that I was waiting on the finance managers. And it's just like communication is mm-hmm. key. And yeah, write down everything. And, and from and from that moment on, I would always CC and BCC people. Be like, hey, I rocking did this. <laughs> And, and so, I, yeah, so always have, have like paperwork and notes and, and stuff like that, because people will turn narratives around. I know that very well. It's true. Written every day, all day, every day. <laughs> Absolutely. And it goes back to Amanda's uh, wonderful recommendation of Slack, because if you've got Slack Pro, you've got the chat transcripts yeah. to say, actually, you said this. Exactly. I did this. I had that in, an, in another business where I was able to go back to the Slack and be like, yep, I did this. And, and they're the ones who said no. So, Amanda, um, I've had a great chat with you, but one thing I always like to end on is get advice on someone wanting to enter 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 a field that, that someone's in. So what advice would you give to somebody looking to get into freelance work? I would say don't do what I did. Do not go to sites like Upwork or Fiverr. I have a very big rant about them and I will not go into that, but I think that they're exploitative. Um, they take too yes. big of a cut and it's very difficult to find well-paying work on them. And also it's very difficult. They're, they're not great platforms and they, they take, they control too much. They, they, they value this like $5 VA, um, which you should 
never charge $5 rates, um, to be a VA. Um, and yeah, so avoid platforms like that, please. Um, do it yourself, go independent, set up a, a landing page with your rates or, or, or something that just says like, if you're starting out as a virtual assistant, for example, like a five hour package for $125, like that's $25 an hour or 125 pounds. Like that's a really decent starting rate for a virtual assistant. Cause remember that you're self-employed. Nobody's paying your taxes. You have to do that now. Like your national insurance, your, um, if you're in America, your health stuff, um, your health benefits and stuff like that's all coming out of your pocket. Now your employer isn't doing this. So respect your rates, um, and just go, go alone. You can find clients, um, as, as, as a virtual assistant, um, in Facebook groups, first and foremost, that is the number one place where 95% of people that I know get their clients is through Facebook uh, groups and then word of mouth. Um, and other social media like LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram are also fantastic for finding clients, especially LinkedIn. It's really good. Um, network, go to your local business networks. Um, like I know here in Belfast, there's quite a few places for budding entrepreneurs, budding freelancers, um, and like networks to join, um, where you can easily make refer, like make friends and have like that referral network. And then the other thing, and I know I just said social media is so good to like get clients, but make a mailing list, um, because you don't own social media, but you do own the email addresses in your mailing list. So you always have a way to communicate with the people that want to hear from you. And would you recommend using something like MailChimp or something similar rather than maybe just your own address book? Yes, 100%. Use something MailChimp, MailerLite, Pretty Mail, insert mailing service here. I don't know. There's so many. Um, I can't even think of the big one that like most of big online entrepreneurs convert kit. That's what it's called. Um, is is huge. It's expensive though. So there's free, free options on MailChimp, MailerLite. FYI. <laughs> I want to bring up a few points about that because I used to run a, a uh, mailing program for two different two different companies. Mailchimp will make sure that the the stuff gets delivered, so there's no there's no having it get uh, marked as spam. If you send too many things at the same time from an email, your ISP will will think you're spam. You know, like Mailchimp will like mm-hmm. delay mm-hmm. sending over time. Um, they'll make sure things get through and. It helps avoid the accidental CC of everybody and everybody has then mm-hmm. has yeah. all of your clients and it turns into a huge reply all thread. So yeah, I would say do that. And it looks professional if you're sending it as, as a thing, because it shows, I always believe that if you can be as professional as you can and show pro- professionalism, then your clients will look at you a little bit better than just somebody else who may be doing it very amateurish, I would say. And there's also, I mean, it's fair to say, again, I think certainly, I don't know the ins and outs of US privacy laws, but if I say the initial is GDPR mm-hmm. for me and Amanda, yep. I, I don't, unless you are really, really good, you can't manage all that compliance stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. No. Using MailChimp or a whatever service, as long as they are GDPR compliant and allow people to opt in, and more importantly, opt out and to erase their data. Those are kind of the fundamentals of a GDPR compliant mailing list. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to study that heavily last year because the business I was I was at was a business that does both that that does both work in the US and in the EU. All the nightmares of when GDPR came in, and we were like, "So many people are just spamming me, but you're not allowed to do that because I didn't give you permission." Whoa. Yeah, and I do love like the latest iOS. If it's done well, and I've seen, I've noticed it on Mailchimp letters, 
if somebody doesn't want your email at the top, it says, Hey, do you want to subscribe? Mm-hmm. It's so easy just to press that and it is gone. And that's something things like things like MailChimp will automate that. That's great. So Amanda, I have had such a great time talking with you. And like, I know we've talked so much. This has been great. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Cause you are all over the internet and I'm just going to put out my, my highest recommendation that I want our viewers to, to follow your podcast, follow you because you are one of the bright spots on my timeline. And I'm not just saying that because you're like one of my close friends, but you always are a, a person I love listening to and seeing on the internet. Thank you so much. Um, that was very nice of you to say. Um, yes, um, you can find me on all social medias, me personally at Falamoyakrava, um, which means thank you, my cow in Serbian. Um, I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I have thought all the time, like very often about changing it, but also I don't want to because I've had it for like 20 years and I just don't really want to, but it's not professional and it's not easy to say and it's not easy to spell, but it's mine. So it's, there you go. Um, you, you can also find my website at soulbodygeek.com and geek herring at geek herring everywhere for all things business i guess go to thankfulcow.com and that's uh that's the business that i have with tom my fiance and james with that i'm going to hand the range over to you so i don't uh mess up the outro but i will just say thank you both so much for having me on this was an absolute delight um our pleasure our pleasure i I loved having you both finally meet yeah yeah that's actually this is one of the nice things about this podcast getting to meet wonderful new people and especially when we're up you know either you know sort of one of our friends who's meeting the other yeah it's great so as jay said to not botch me outro and you are going to get better at this honestly okay good uh, mostly because we're going to pre-record our outros from now mm-hmm. on um Oh, yeah. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening. Head over to crosswires.net for all the show notes. And, of course, we will have all the links through all of Amanda's sites. Head over to crosswires.net forward slash YouTube for our YouTube content. You can follow us on Twitter at crosswiresmg for the show itself. I'm on Twitter at JS Billsborough. I am on, I am on Twitter at 1J at a time, J-A-E. Also on Instagram there as well. I, I know that's a, a point of contention between me and James. Is that Instagram? You you, you sell your soul to fate to Meta as much as you want. Just don't involve me in it, all right? Okay, sounds good. Mark Zuckerberg is 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 uh, now owns my life and all that. So everyone should join Meta because Meta is the future. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. No, no, no. James. And on that note... <laughs> On that note, if you want to yell at Jay for that last comment, please, or any other comments you may have, please don't actually yell at Jay. Uh, podcast at crosswires.net. And if you've liked what we've done, first of all, any likes in podcast directories are awesome. Oh, of course, head over to Good Pods. If you're a Good Pods listener, start a discussion there because we'll always reply. But if you want to financially support us, yes, this is the first time we're saying this, <laughs> head over to co-fi.com forward slash crosswires and Anything you can spare is great. We are in the middle of launching a Patreon as well. We're going to announce that soon. We are in the middle of getting a new website ready, and we'll have much easier links to all the donation stuff once that's live. But any support you can give us, you know, there are bills to pay. We do have a rather ambitious goal, okay? I'm going to announce it. We have a goal. If if we can hit £1,200, yes, that's a lot of money, that's going to allow me and Jay to both buy um, Valve Steam decks for streaming because we've had a genius idea uh, of how rather than having a gaming pc each we'll have steam decks and plug them into hdmi capture boxes 
great idea. Because, yeah, why not? Because mm-hmm. one thing that, that we are trying to do as well is we are looking at our setups and we're looking at how are they in terms of environmental sustainability. Like, like I've moved a lot of my stuff over to a M1 Mac, which sounds fancy, but it's also because of its energy yeah. usage and it's lower. And right now, having a gaming PC is a lot of extra it, of electricity, and I want to I want to reduce my my footprint as much as I can. I mean, just as a final aside, is anybody else as scared as I am about these new four thousand series Nvidia cards using what is up to six hundred and fifty watts of power? Yeah, how have we got to that point? That's for a whole different episode, and we'll <laughs> leave it at that. Thank you, Amanda, for your time. I'm, as Jay said, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.